0: So, you're interested in sustainability, huh? Have you thought about organic, no-till, permaculture, food forest, agribusiness, GMO, PETA, veganism, well water, fencing? It gets pretty out of hand in just the first couple hours of research. So, where do you start? In this episode, we're going to explore the why of this podcast of sustainability, of community life, just to give a context for the future recordings. I want you to consider as you listen, why am I homesteading? what is the prime product of this endeavor? Who am I going to do it with? I sat down with my close friend and fellow part-time farmer, Jediah Owen, to discuss the little agrarian community that we have chosen on our journey toward wholeness and regeneration. Let's go there now on this, our third episode of The Wilderness. So what we're trying to do is introduce people to why we're doing what we're doing. You and I started talking four or five months ago about doing a podcast about agriculture here, talking about maybe involving the general store. And at the time, it was um, maybe it was a little bit more business-focused at the time, but one thing led to another, and it turned into all of this. I think the first time we met with Butch out on my land on Bodie, it turned into something far more rich right. and deep. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk it through. And I want people that are watching to get an idea of what they're about to see. And so now that we've edited so much of it, we've filmed so much of it, I wanted to go back and try to give them a context.
1: Absolutely. I, I believe part of the context is uh, the unique circumstances we both uh, grew up in and kind of come to the subject. From the, the angles that we come to the subject from, I obviously grew up here, lived my whole life uh, doing things on the farm, doing things with my hands, thinking in terms of agriculture, thinking in terms of growing food, that's an important thing, that it's something that uh, is fun to do. And you grew up obviously in a very different context. And so uh, the hope is that can help illuminate and kind of just like two angles on one object and kind of reveal much more dimension to it that, uh, be that kind of dynamic when multiple people coming into this podcast and
0: uh, providing their take on things and provide a fuller image. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was kind of the perfect thing. It all happened naturally that, you know, you grew up in the agricultural world and I grew up in the city life. And it seems like when I was trying to come into the agricultural world, all I had was videos. I was watching Paul Gocci and I was watching... Uh, grow Organic and I was watching uh, there's a man in New Jersey um, I will remember him and put him in the show notes he's amazing uh, but that's all I had and I didn't have any friends that were doing it I had no connections and so when I come into this community and I see a group of people living together doing it together I said I've got to learn from these folks and then as luck would have it you and I end up working together and having these conversations and so it seemed like the perfect thing it's this uh, the story of our friendship as we both move toward agriculture yeah
1: and even though i grew up in this context growing up farming isn't always fun there's a lot of work aspects to it and so i often asked why why are we doing this why are we growing our own food when other people are going to the store and buying all of it And we still buy some of our food we're not 100 percent Sustainable in that aspect, but we are much further along. Even if you only include knowledge and experience of having done many elements of it for many years now, I would ask over and over again, why? Why are we doing this? And uh, over the years, I've gained a much better understanding than I had even as a as a young person. But it's been something that, as a community, it has been stressed from the very beginning when our entire church was in New York City. The, the deepest, most urban portion of the country at the time. Uh, growing our own food was viewed as important and something to spend time on. And they had window boxes. They had little every little square foot of dirt they could have. They began to grow gardens. And it was for a couple reasons. And I want to, sorry, I just want to go down a couple uh, of facts that have happened, transformations that have happened in recent history that has caused us to to step back and say maybe there's something to growing our own food maybe that's something that should be given importance and so uh one of the one of the facts is an average plate of food today travels over 1500 miles from the place it was grown to your plate where you're actually eating it in 1930 the average farmer was farming for five people basically his family His family, or you know, there's obviously some that were craftsmen that weren't as heavy on farming, but very localized. Today, one farmer farms for over 155 people, and depending on how you calculate that with ethanol and such, it could actually be much higher than that. Hmm. Another thing is just in uh, food varieties that we've lost seed varieties in the last 80 years, we have lost over 93% of seed varieties in this country that that by itself is an incredible danger to uh if if just like the irish potato famine, where a specific blight a specific disease a specific chemical targeted one uh, strain one species of a plant too much and it wiped out an entire countryside of those potatoes and put uh, the Irish potato famine, put the entire area into a major famine um, another interesting thing the average age of a farmer today is 58 and that's been on a steady incline so basically most of the farmers in this country are about to retire you know and there's not a lot of new blood coming in and you know when you just think about it one of the things that really got to me is the the basic plan of human survival, somewhat of a three-legged stool. A lot of people say it's food, clothing, and shelter. (laughs) And of those three things, one of those has changed massively in only the last 100, 150 years. For all of known history, we've started this experiment just in this last little bitty segment of the last 100 plus years. And that is just what I said, where all of a sudden food, instead of being localized, instead of being uh, varied, diversified throughout the countryside, throughout different locations, throughout multiple different varieties of seed. Now it's monocropped where one farmer using a lot of petroleum to fuel his tractors, to fertilize the crops, to harvest it, to process it, and then to move it to the table. This is all done in big business. This is one man in a huge tractor, today now autonomous tractors, farming these enormous areas and that opens us up to incredible vulnerabilities in terms of our uh, the food flow, even just safety in terms of a major pillar of our uh, natural existence. And that doesn't even go into the, the relational aspects of what has happened where all these people have been pulled from the land and gone into urban uh, type lifestyles. That is even a whole other element, obviously. Uh, but those are a couple things that as I was growing up and asking the questions myself, why is this important? Why is this something we should do? That really helped kind of fill it out for me.
0: I'm thinking as you're sharing about the, the economic drivers to make all of this make sense and the great experiment of modernity that says that working the land is drudgery. Yeah. And I learned a little bit about the industrial revolution and that was what they were promulgating all across the countryside is drawing people into the city to work the factories. That was all based on what they thought would be the economic prosperity of the future. And John Stuart Mill in uh, in the books on utilitarianism, he talks about the bright future that this new economy is going to bring forth. And that was a law book and it made its way into that. I mean, it was such a huge deal at that time and no one knew what was going to happen. But it was going to be the same squalor that had always been in the cities that we're seeing now, that but just amplified. Now the cities are so huge and they're so big. Uh, Prevalent. And I've heard it said that, uh, you know, as the city became the world, the world became a city. And we're seeing people, uh, I've heard Kevin Durkin talk about a million people have left New York City already this year. One million people. And they're seeing the failure of this experiment that has detached them from food. And I think that my wife and I started to see that call two, three years ago before things got really, really bad. From our view, the city was so detrimental to where we were trying to go as a family. We wanted to be involved in the essentials of life. And when I was younger, I went on a very long trip uh, to try to get in touch with what is reality, because I had grown up in a very affluent situation. In the city, everything was upper crust. I mean, lobster dinners where we threw away half of the meal because it just, I was full. And that was probably, like you're talking about 1500 miles, the food goes 1500 miles. I have no doubt that it was 1,500 miles for every individual thing on my plate, that they all came from all over the place. And I knew that that wasn't right. It had turned me into what I thought was a softie, but really what it was was that I had enslaved somebody else to feel the pain of agriculture so that I could live my fantasy life where I felt no pain. I, I didn't understand the cost of the thousands of chickens I've eaten in my life. I don't understand the cost of all the cheeseburgers that I've so frivolously had. And then coming here and getting involved in the essentials of life, you start to see the tremendous sacrifice that whether you're a, a raw vegan and you only eat vegetables or whether you're a meat eater like my family is, you start to see the incredible cost of a human life. And it gives you a reverence for not just those things that you're consuming, but also for your fellow man the incredible fragility of life. And and it seems like that's the that's the exodus that my family is on and now millions of others are on due to the fires. Um, you know, 90,000 people had to leave Los Angeles uh, this week. And some of that was temporary, but many homes were destroyed. And there's 4 million acres burned in California because of over-urbanization yeah. and the destruction of the natural pathways of fire and deforestation. I think people are starting to feel a pull for this. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why we want to do what we're doing here is that I'm not the only one that's coming out. And maybe there are a lot more people like you that grew up in some sort of agricultural background in rural America that don't anymore see the value. And that's why we have the 58 years old median age for the farmers, because their sons are not taking up their dad's craft because of the purely economic driver that says, I want to be separated from hard work and I want to do this cushy thing in the air conditioning but it, it destroys a person to do that and I, I think that's part of why we're trying to bring people back in our small way with this yeah. video yeah
1: and it's like food is obviously a very important part of our life just just physically but what our community has found out over the past 45 plus years that we have been taking steps towards becoming more involved in our food and agriculture and animals and crafts, working with our hands and such, we found that it's not just the economical part of food as, you know, like, this is not just so that we're safe from some catastrophe or something, but the very fact of participating in the growing of our food, the very fact of participating in building the things we need and the whether it be the furniture or the harnesses or the, again, the, the food like we're talking about, that action has brought our families together and it has brought us closer to one another in a, in a community sense and together with the land, just like what you're saying, of, of understanding more what goes into food, understanding the the price of it, understanding the cost of it, and an incredible appreciation. You know, you appreciate a, a meal that you labor to make and not even the labor part of it because oftentimes when you're really into it it's not that it's not like this terrible hard work it actually can be quite fun it doesn't have to be this stripped down economical sense well I gotta go out and you know farm my garden so I have enough food it's it's an experience that you do in the context of family and community it's an experience that enriches your whole life at the same time preparing you for unknown future. I mean, we have see in this coronavirus what such a small thing can have such an enormous impact on the world. Imagine if that small thing was targeted at our food supply. It could be uh, incredibly more devastating, incredibly more consequential, uh, because, you know, in the 1920s, well over 50% of America was farmers. Today, that's 1.3%. Nobody knows how to farm. Nobody knows how to grow food we are completely disconnected from it in in all practical sense. And so, yeah, it's a safety net, but it's also an experience of life, experiencing life, being more connected to each other and the land, and the things that we feel like
0: have a big impact on enriching our life. And and, and now we're going to get into community. Yeah. Because now we're at that inevitable bottleneck where we have to talk about community because the lie of modernity that says that all uh, the essentials of life are drudgery, uh, the rearing of children at home and the growing of food and all these essentials that are now outsourced and, and fractured. I've found a community, the one that you grew up in, that wants more agriculture. We want to do more in that world, in that, in that plane of existence because of everything you're saying. That... It is so enriching on every level, despite its difficulty and some of the the hard labors. It's brought a people together. And I know that uh, Butch Tyndall, who they're about to meet, who the audience is about to meet, he has over and over and over again demonstrated that even if you come and take his homesteading course and you just flourish and you double-dig all your beds and your fig trees are just fruiting in two, three years and you're as happy as can be, there's a limit to how much you can do on your own. It's, it's great to start off with your compost box, and a little start is a start. But ultimately, you're going to be situated in the center of a need for others. And that's the way the world is designed. And whether or not you take the, the stance that we do, that God designed it that way, it's inevitable, it's unavoidable to say that the essentials of life necessitate community. And that's the other thing that modernity has done is it's pushed away others and it's destroyed relationship. And so I want to talk a little bit about what it is that uh, this community is for those who have no idea, those that didn't come to the fair, those who are just stumbling upon us on YouTube. Right. What is this community?
1: So this community is a group of people, uh, started out as two people in New York City, uh, with a passion and a belief that there was an arrangement of relationships in the context of some type of community where families could work, where couples, relationships in general could work between couples, between families, between a larger community. And that was really the core dream. And everything has kind of come out from there. Obviously, we're Christian. And as the this church, a few people that started in New York and grew to uh, several dozen, it then moved to New Jersey, then to Colorado, and has moved to Waco, and is now in uh, Israel, Montana, Idaho, Mexico, uh, New Zealand, South Africa. It has grown uh, from that belief that, Relationships can work. And we found that a key part of that is relationship with land, relationship with growing things. But we're a Christian community that are trying to live uh, by the biblical New Testament uh,
0: standard set up. There are going to be some folks that need to know that, that need to know that's where we're coming from. But what I was trying to get to, and I think where we're going, is that there's never been a time in history that has been more... Divided, On a global scale, everyone seems to be in on the kind of struggle that's going on, especially in the cities. There seems to be a—and recently what's coming out about Facebook, that they market against your beliefs. And that Facebook's uh, AI is built to discern what you believe and is designed to— overwhelm you, to bombard you with the opposite of your beliefs, to create an emotional response that keeps you coming back. Division is the call of the day. And I think another thing that we're saying as a community is relationships can work. And the common ground are the essentials of life. And it strips away the barriers of race and uh, political affiliation and, and taste preferences that come from modernity itself. It's the fracturing of people in our desire to have our comforts and stay away from me. And this, this idea that the American dream is the picket fence, which ultimately separates you from your neighbor. We're saying, no, for 45 plus years, this community has been standing against that and saying, no, relationships can work. Love is real. People can work together. And the common ground is the essentials of life.
1: that really is true and something interesting to me is that is just the contrast that has emerged as our community has gone on between where we are and where much of the world is at because you can look anywhere anywhere today and you see struggle you see conflict you see people completely at odds with each other and really we believe that is the outworking that is the result of this kind of modern approach of where families are separated, where mom's going to one job, dad's going to another job, kids are going to school. You're separated from each other for most of the day. You're separated from growing your food. You're separated often from even your extended family because that's all in different cities and uh, areas of the country or the world. Everything is separated, everything is pulled apart, even the way the, the most revered uh, you know, science is at its heart, tearing it down and figuring out what are the it out until you can measure and identify each individual part. And while there's definitely a place for science and such, the overall effect has been separation. Everyone is separated against each other. And we believe that there's no way to get away from struggle. There is going to be struggle in life. We've just found that when you struggle for things like working in the garden, growing your own food, growing your own animals, that kind of struggle actually pulls us together and gives meaning to the struggle instead of everyone struggling against each other in this competitive sense. When you can work together in the context of a community, the struggle becomes a struggle of working with the land and the, the work, the sweat of your brow, <laughs> to, to grow the food, to make those things work. And in that context, relationships between each other seem to be much, much easier uh, to accomplish because we're not struggling against each other, we're
0: struggling with one another towards a specific aim. So maybe the last thing that we should talk about too is the economic effects of the coronavirus have disrupted supply chains. Um, There's millions without work. There's all sorts of issues. And a lot of it from where we're standing seems to be tied to waste. And you were bringing up some pretty interesting numbers to me about waste. And I worked in the restaurant industry for nearly 15 years. And the more upscale you go in food, the more waste there is. And there's a reason for that. It's that people have commoditized and separated. They've transactionalized so much of their life and food being at the center of it, um, and at least the center of this example, that it's thrown away. Yeah, It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. What I was referencing is, You can look this up anywhere. Um, But they estimate that well over 40% of all food grown, at least in this country, goes to waste. Nearly half of the food grown is waste, over 40%. Which is pretty phenomenal. And even if you only care on an environmental level, you're talking about most of the food grown using a lot of petrochemicals (laughs) to grow it, to transport it, to process it, most of that food goes into a landfill, which then produces methane (laughs) and goes up into the atmosphere. So even on that level, organic growing your own uh, food can have a big impact there. And just the wastefulness, a lot of it comes because the vegetable is ugly. It comes because they're just a little bit deformed or got bunged up a little bit in travel. And uh, you just don't have that. On a local farm, you use you use everything you got. If you can't eat it fresh, maybe you can it. If you can't, don't want to can it, you can juice it. You can feed it to the animals. It's a very whole, complete cycle. What the animals don't eat, you compost, or maybe they eat it, and you compost it after that. But uh, it's it's far better uh, for the environment. It's far better of a of a
0: complete cycle, just on that one little segment, as as opposed to the convenience model, which takes perfectly good. Organic matter and dumps it into a toxic waste zone where it's com- rendered completely useless. Exactly. It can't
1: be composted. Nothing good can come out of a landfill. It can't. It's ruined forever. It's all mixed in with plastics and other garbage and stuff. It is it is the ultimate waste. <laughs> it is the ultimate just worthless pile of garbage.
0: <laughs> and so so even in the economic vector, so to speak, yeah. this is the answer. So what, what we're offering here is something simple we're not the first people to say this or the only people saying it now but the simplicity of being involved in the essentials of life really is a a form of salvation you could say from all of the ills of modernity let's stave it off and uh, put our our taste preferences down for a moment and say is this working and that's what, that's what my family's had to do. That's how we got here. And I, we have found so much good that's come from it. I want to share it with everybody. And there's such an openness and an incredible wealth of knowledge. Not that anyone here claims to be an expert, but that all the people we're going to be introduced to on this show are on the journey. They're, they're whole hog invested in their families and this community and in agriculture. And I think there's a tremendous wealth here. Um, that has not been lost, though it seems like it has been lost. Uh, 150 years ago, this would be regular, normal life, yeah. but we're saying this still works and it has never changed. Thank you so much for listening to The Wilderness. If you're looking to find us online, our website is homesteadgeneralstore.com. Stay subscribed for future episodes. We're just getting started. Here's what's coming next week. He said this part right here is that it's the fatty lobe that was coming off of what looked to me like the liver. I could be corrected on that, but it's a fatty lobe. He says that it's a it's delicious. We're going to eat this today. In what form? I do not know.